Welcome to Awakening Streams, the podcast of One River Zen Meditation Center in Ottawa, Illinois. Hosted by Sensei Michael Shikan Bruner. Learn more, donate, and practice with us at oneriverzen.org. Here we are. Very deep into Rohatsu session. Tomorrow is, is Rohatsu. Tomorrow is December 8th. The day that um, the Buddha, um, it is fabled, um, got up and sat under a tree, determined to wake up. um, The content of the experience of his awakening is recorded in the Denko Roku as the first case. Shakyamuni Buddha saw the morning star, and he was enlightened, and he said, I and the great earth and all beings simultaneously achieve the way. Such a wonderful reminder. We're here to practice. We're here to wake up, not for ourselves, but for the suffering of all sentient beings. This practice, done correctly, it costs us nothing less than our lives. When we lose our lives, yeah, then we really find it. Say it's a paradox, but not really when you've seen it and you appreciate it for what it is. Some of you, hopefully all of you, yeah, are missing folks at home and some of the important people in your life. So just make sure you're using this time. You're really, you're not squandering it. You're actually using it as an opportunity to wake up and making the most of this time. Be beginning to clarify your intentions. They should be coming to the fore. You should be able to be seeing that special way. We're all part of the same jewel of oneness, but each of us reflects it a little bit differently. You should be developing a vision of your practice intentions. We're going to have a tangible example of manifesting those practice intentions here shortly. We're doing a Shuke Tokido the day after tomorrow. It's now no longer days away. We're recording it as the day after tomorrow, right? So it's actually now even more tangible and close. Shuke Tokido means home leaving. It's a way of getting outside of ourselves, leaving our comfort zone. It's a way of making ourselves a refuge, being the refuge. Being a priest is hard work from the perspective of the small self. But for those who are called and who practice it well, it's very easy and free from the perspective of awakening. It's nothing more natural. But we see both sides, (laughs) right? Because we still have Uh, some of our actions and our consciousness reflected in that small self as well. So we're experiencing both the the draw and the pull at the same time. I want to talk to you about a case from the Sensheki Su. It's also known as a collection of stone and sand. This was written in the late 13th century by the Japanese Zen teacher, Muju. His name means non-dweller. 
he compiled it from anecdotes of Zen monks taken from various books that were published in contemporary times and pulled them together in a way to kind of um, be like a, a bulwark of, a, of awakening, you know, like a little beacon of hope and help and training Zen monks. So it's, this is assembled about the same time as Mumonkan, which is one of the collections of koans we use to guide students along the way. The case goes like this. Tetsugen, the devotee of Zen in Japan, decided to publish the sutras, which at that time were available only in Chinese. The books were to be printed with wood blocks in an edition of 7,000 copies. It's a big undertaking. So Tetsugen began by traveling and connecting donations for this purpose. It's always fun. We know all about that, yeah? A few sympathizers would give him a hundred pieces of gold, but most of the time he received only very small coins. But he thanked each donor with equal gratitude. After ten years, Tetsugen had enough money to begin his task. But it happened at this time that the Uji River overflowed, and famine followed. Tetsugen took the funds he had collected for the books and spent them to save others from starvation. Then, undeterred, he began the arduous work of collecting again. And several years later, an epidemic spread over the country. Tetsugen gave it all away again to help people. But because his order was strong, he set out again a third time. And after 20 years, because he had tapped all the donors, but he eventually found more. After 20 years, his wish was fulfilled. The printing blocks which produced the first edition of sutras can be seen today in the Obaku Monastery in Kyoto. His legacy hasn't been forgotten. The Japanese still tell their children that Tetsugen made three sets of sutras, and that the first two invisible sets surpassed the last. It's so important for us to remember to keep our practice pure, yeah. devoid of a gaining idea. When we have some idea of a goal, then we miss the path. Because the path truly is the goal. Now, we have to be practical, of course. Sometimes a goal is a good way to start walking. You know, we know what direction to set out. But once we're in motion, it's important that we manifest the way, that we address the suffering that we find directly. That is the heart of the way. Compassion, love. So again said, to study the way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be enlightened by all things of the universe. 
To be enlightened by all things of the universe is to cast off the body and mind of the self as well as those of others. Even the traces of enlightenment are wiped out. And life with traceless enlightenment goes on forever and ever. When we look at the self closely, particularly the self that we construct, we see it as a set of ideas, right? judgments, goals. But we also see it as a lot of clever work, a lot of clever patchwork done and tomfoolery you know, done to put them together in a way that makes them appear substantial, coherent, woven together. I mean, the first thing is that the very act of being meta-aware of being self-conscious in this way enables us to loosen our grasp on the narrative of self as a whole. If we can see this story, then we recognize that we're not this story. Something much larger than this story. But we also see the tenuous activity of mind trying to continually knit and weave that story and hold it together. But when we loosen our grasp, something very magical happens. The path actually appears. We loosen our grasp and the path appears. In this way, the distinction between the path and the one walking it also disappears. We're set into motion, set into action by the very act of walking or being present with our lived experience, but the very nature of our lived experience. This is a way of living by intention, yeah, rather than by goal. It starts with an intention to be present. You say, well, where else would I be? Oh, <laughs> well, there's a lot of ways we can find to divert ourselves in. But particularly we try to do that when we see a gap in our narrative something that makes our small self seem less substantial, or when we see suffering out there, and we think that by, by giving, by satisfying that suffering, by transforming that suffering, we'll somehow lose part of ourself. It's such a myth. Because in this place, if we're seeing clearly, we recognize that we're not separate or distinct. Neither is anyone else. They're all constructs. But we, can, we need to hold them in a way, hold them, but hold them very, very loosely, and use them skillfully. They are there. There is a construct of self and other that is there. That's part of our, our chosen narrative. You can't answer like Bodhidharma. Yeah. If you get in trouble with the law, you have to present your identity, your license and registration. Can't say not knowing. It's not going to be very skillful. I predict things aren't going to go very well. I'll be getting a call in the middle of the night to come pick you up. Oh, you have not knowing. Uh, I'll, I'll come see which one of those not knowings you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a story. But don't let the story master you. Yeah. It's your story. You master the story. and we see it for what it is, and we understand it's insubstantial, then it's still at hand. 
Use it skillfully. Dogen goes on to say, even the traces of enlightenment are wiped out. And life with traces of enlightenment goes on forever and ever. But don't take this as we live mindfully ever after. There's no activity past this point. It's a constant conscious coming back. That's why we call it practice. So regular dropping away. You have to wash your hands. You have to brush your teeth. You have to take a shower. These things have to continue to happen. Don't let your ideas and preferences cling to you. Or at least recognize them for what they are when they do. (laughs) You can still continue to pick out the black licorice pieces. As long as you recognize that I like those and get them over to me. Then there's oneness again. Everything's fine. Look to the suffering around you for instruction. Walk into it. Don't walk away. Do the hard things. Transform suffering into joy and find your abode here. Learn to love that abode. Learn to love transforming suffering. That means you have to be present with it. Don't abide in the story that you tell others about yourself. Let your actions be your continuance. Let this place of transformation be the nexus of your existence. And when your actions transforming suffering where you find it are manifest, then they speak volumes about who you are. You don't have to tell a story anymore. They'll be telling your story for a very long time. Hence, it'll be encoded in the very presence of the universe. I love this case. There are volumes of sutras, the first two, the best ones, best volumes. Wasn't what he set out, what he thought was going to take place, but since he was open to the miracle of being present with suffering, he saw the best of his life. I sincerely appreciate your courage and bravery here, making yourself available. No one came here to hide. All of you have been through a retreat before, right? Everyone has. So you all know what's in it. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be all of our, our prejudices, our suffering. All these things are going to come to the fore. And we're going to be compelled to work with them skillfully. And that's how you can truly begin to drop that narrative away and begin to actually be the master of your own life. And when you do that in your practice, you may begin seeing a way that you want your practice to manifest. You may be getting an inkling of that little twinkle of the jewel that that is the facet of how you complete this oneness. This is normal. This is good. Learning to be how you're going to be available for others. What form that's going to take. So all you have to do now is just step off the top of the pole you put yourself on and appreciate the journey. <laughs> what a fall, yeah. Walk in the direction of that light. 
pay special attention to the journey. Stopping to help others on the way. Losing yourself in this practice path. Engaging suffering and transforming it. And in the end, you too manifest exactly like Taitsugan. But you'll also actualize that practice ambition. Just make sure to address everything you find on the way and recognize that this path is the goal. Thank you for joining us. If this podcast was meaningful to you and supported your practice, please give us a hand by joining us at onerivers.org.